Gumption, defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, and shrewdness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Stories of Gumption with your host, Ryan Lee. All right, here we are. How you doing today, everybody? Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Stories of Gumption podcast. This is episode 17, conversations with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and in my opinion, just really, really impressive people. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, we are brought to you by Open Gate Farmstead. They're a stone's throw away from the mighty Osable River. Open Gate Farmstead is a first-generation farm specializing in free-range poultry, pasture-raised pork, and seasonal produce. The farm is run using a simple principle. Happy animals make the healthiest and tastiest product. Check them out on their YouTube page. they got a good thing going. Great videos on there about all that they're doing at the farm. And uh, check them on Facebook and Instagram. For Gumption listeners, they are going to take a dollar off your first order of eggs. So, Open Gate Farmstead. Check them out. They're on social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Check them out. We're also sponsored by Kavanaugh Realty. They are a local independent real estate company helping their neighbors buy and sell their homes. They got a good crew of people over there at Kavanaugh Realty. Galen Trombley doing a lot of good things. Uh, His team is growing and really excited to see that. And they're doing a lot of good stuff. Really uh, appreciative personally uh, for all the work that Kavanaugh did for my wife and I when we were looking for our first home. Uh, Did a great job. Did a great job. Check them out on the web or on social media, Kavanaugh Realty, hashtag Local Matters. We do have another uh, sponsor hanging on here. Really appreciate them. And they're good people. Sparkle Clean, S-P-A-R-K-I-L-K-L-E-E-N. Sparkle Clean. They provide professional and economic cleaning solutions to residential and commercial structures. They specialize in window cleaning, floor care, carpet extraction, and auto boat detailing. Auto or boat detailing. One or the other. Whichever one you need. Do some detailing. They do it. Sparkle clean. Give them a call for a free estimate at 518-578-2931. That's 518-578-2931. 2931 or find them on Facebook, Instagram at Sparkle Clean. That's Zach and Kate Hoy, everybody. They're great people and uh, they're doing a lot of good things for our community. And if you have a cleaning, professional cleaning need, whether at home or for your business, give them a call. They deserve your business. They are great people. Today we are with uh, a good friend of mine, professional uh, connection that I, I met through Rotary uh, several years ago, and uh, certainly through different professional capacities, had some great conversations over the years, and looking forward to another really good one today, uh, is Bruce Garcia. He is currently the CEO of the Joint Council of Economic Opportunity. Uh, he is a Paul Harris Fellow in uh, Rotary International. We might even talk about that. We'll see. He was a past campaign chair for the United Way of the Adirondack region. That's quite a big job. And uh, he also is a Good Scout Award recipient from back in the day when I was the director of the Boy Scouts in the Adirondack region. We honored uh, this gentleman, Bruce Garcia, uh, with a pretty prestigious award. So welcome to the podcast, Bruce Garcia. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So... Bruce, um, I'm trying to remember where we first actually met, but I think it was Rotary. You meet a lot of people in Rotary, and it's sometimes hard to remember where you first meet somebody. But that's, I mean, I've enjoyed certainly getting to know you and meeting you at Rotary. Yeah, I think that's where we first met. And quite frankly, you know, we've made a lot of good friends through Rotary, and clearly you're one of those people. Um, so yeah, Rotary is great, and uh, we certainly have made a lot of contacts through Rotary. Yeah, and, I, I, and Paul Harris—that's uh, an impressive uh, honor 
for the listeners that aren't aware of the Paul Harris Fellowship, do you want to tell them a little bit about what that's about? Um, well, that, first of all, let me say. You're a humble guy, so I'm putting yeah. you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, our, our local Rotary um, organization um, sponsors three Paul Harris Fellows every year and makes a donation to Rotary International, the foundation, in their name. And, uh, you know, uh, Paul Harris Fellows are supposed to be uh, folks who are leaders and um, people of distinction in, uh, in their professions. Um, you know, when I was honored, um, I was honored for, um, you know, human services. Um, still not sure that I should have gotten that award, but I certainly... Um, appreciate the uh the club um having honored me in that way um and it was a, a you know it was a big surprise and it was a, a great honor oh yeah well deserved too well thanks uh just like the good scout award <laughs> yeah that was another one that i that was a, a big surprise to me but uh i certainly um i i i, I, I <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I kind of fail for words for some of these because I'd, I'm not really sure that you know I'm the, you know I, I certainly appreciate the recognition, um, but I think there are other people in in the community that um, are every bit, if not more, deserving than than myself. I think that's why you're a perfect candidate for those types of awards, Bruce. Because usually they say the people who uh, get those awards are the ones that aren't seeking it. So. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. So uh, I want to get down to this. The whole thing is stories of gumption, right? And yeah. I, I, I feel like we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours about examples of gumption in your life. But to set the stage, what is your definition of gumption? I, I personally believe that um, gumption is manifested um, because of two things. Um, commitment and persistence. I think if you're committed to an ideal or a project or to a task, uh, and you're persistent about um, a, uh, you know achieving that goal, um, then I think that's kind of viewed as gumption because you just won't give up. Yeah, yeah. I I certainly think of gumption as uh, a scenario where you have to roll up your sleeves and get it done. Maybe. Oh yeah. Uh, but. The, the combination of commitment and persistence, I think, is really great because it, it seems like it's, it's very easy to say you're going to commit to something, but when it gets hard, that's where the gumption comes in, the persistence. Well, yeah, to give you an example, and I won't go into the details, but you know, we just recently completed a transaction that we've been working on for almost seven years. And um, there were times when our board of directors thought I was crazy and that uh, this was never going to happen. Um, but before the end of the summer, it's going to be done. And it took a long time and a lot of work. And we went back to the well on this one many, many times. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really good for the organization. It's going to be uh, a very positive, a big positive for JCEO. And it just took us some time to get it done. And as long as we held the course, and kept going back and kept doing the things that we needed to do to work out a deal. It finally worked. Yeah. So tell, I mean, you can't probably dispel all the details, but help, um, help the listeners understand a little bit more about that project, but also maybe through the context of describing more about what you do in general, because there may be listeners that aren't even aware of what JCEO's mission and day to day tasks are. You have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. JCEO is um, the community action agency that uh, it's been here in Clinton County for more than 54 years. Um, and in 2012, um, a lot of people might remember that um, there was a community action agency in Franklin County that had a lot of troubles. Um, and um, they kind of went away. Yep. And um, yep. uh, JCEO stepped in to help out. Um, and fill that void in, in Franklin County. Um, we do, um, among the programs that we operate, as we do a community outreach program, um, which includes, um, you know, food pantries. Uh, here in Clinton County, we, we uh, operate 11 food pantries, and we operate uh, three more in Franklin County. That's incredible. Yeah. 
That's a lot. Yeah, it is. Um, one of the things, an interesting fact that we discovered a couple of weeks ago is that um, uh, the Regional Food Bank, which we obviously are part of, came up to do a review of our food, sh- food shelf here at JCEO. And we ended up finding out that because uh, we accept donated food from yep. vendors. Yep. Um, we are the largest recipient of donated food in their entire service area, which no is... No way. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, wow. Which includes all of northeastern New York um, and Albany. Um, w- you know, so we were pretty proud of that. Yeah, um, that's huge. We have a great relationship with a lot of vendors here in, in town and... Um, and they're really, really good at, um, you know, helping us with the donated food. So that's worked out really well for us. We also operate Head Start programs both here mm-hmm. in Clinton and in Franklin County. Yep. Um, we operate energy services, which, you know, generally called weatherization. We help people um, make their homes more energy efficient. We do that again in Clinton and Franklin Insulation County. Insulation and, and sort Insulation, of Insulation, windows, support. roofs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it really helps low-income people button up their house and lower their energy bills. And just in general terms, it saves energy. So that's a really good thing. It's um, a win-win for, for the resident and the community. Yeah, it really That's awesome. Is. Yeah. Um, we do, here in Clinton County, we do a senior outreach program mm-hmm. um, where we have outreach workers that go out and work with seniors and trying to make sure that they get the services that they need. Um, you know, not every, not all the seniors are aware of all the services, nor are they able to get to the services. So we kind of help out with that and fill in those gaps. Uh, we do a daycare program, which helps to um, helps people who are in-home daycare providers. Um, we help get them registered, as well as making sure that they can get reimbursements through the child and adult care food program. Um, so you know, we do lots of different kinds of activities. Um, we also write. Um, have a very large medical transportation program. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's operated a few, couple, few years ago. We used to do it under contract with the local Department of Social Services where we had volunteers who would take people who are Medi- Medicaid and are Medicare el- eligible and take them to doctor's appointments. Um, and then the state got in the business, so we got out <laughs> of the business for a while. Okay. Um, and... Um, we were out of the business for like seven months, and um, the company that was doing the the program, the new service for the state, uh, is a company out of Syracuse. And about seven months in, they realized that trying to do Clinton County from Syracuse may not have been a, their best <laughs> idea. Um, so they called us up and asked us to get back into business, and um, so we did. Yeah. And um, so now we coordinate rides here in Clinton County. And then about... Um, four months after we took over Clinton County, they called us up and said, "Yeah, by the way, how about as long as you're doing you're in Franklin County anyway, how about you take over Franklin County too?" Yeah, yeah. So we do a lot up there. Um, we coordinate more than 1,900 rides a month. Holy smokes! Yeah, it's quite a bit. And, wow. Um, yeah. So it's worked out. Um, we have a lot of really great volunteers, and um, they do they do a lot for the community. So they're I mean, they're super people, and um, you know, we couldn't do it without them. So that's really great. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so in, in the context of this uh, gumptious experience of hanging on to purchase this uh, new building, uh, help me help paint the picture of the connection to, to that whole process, how it's going to be beneficial to the organization, and sort of the backstory of why that took gumption to hang on, maybe. Well, I think it took gumption simply because of the fact that, you know, um, I certainly don't want to cast stones um, at uh, the previous uh, community action agency that was in in Franklin County. But um, they they had originally originally, uh, built that building and set it up on a lease agreement and... um, um, and and they didn't do any of it the right way. Uh, clearly Got it. It's um, so there was a lot of disputes on on the building, and quite frankly, um, you know the the folks that um 
owned the building. It wasn't their issue because the the agreements were never set up correctly. Um, the work was never done to to make sure that there was a an easy transfer of the property at the end, mm-hmm. um, which clearly the the community action agency should have done. It was their deal. Mm. Right? You know, if you're going to do a deal, you got to make sure that all the pieces are in place, and they never did that. And they really made it impossible for the um, for the the owner, okay, yeah, um, to be able to transfer the property. Mm, interesting. So it took a lot of time and a lot of effort um, by a lot of different people, um, and uh, to really go through all the steps to make sure that everything could be done, and 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 it actually took a whole lot longer after the fact than it would have taken had all those steps been done at the beginning. And, yeah. Um, so sometimes when you talk about gumption, it's about you, you have to make sure you do it the right way to begin right. with. You right. Know, you can't just slap a deal together and say, yeah, yeah thumbs, thumbs up, up. We're, we're good to go. <laughs> all right, man, we're yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, it's not the way this works. Um, you know, especially like for myself, I think the board counts on me to make sure that when we put a deal together, Everything is there. The pieces are, you know, the pieces are the right pieces, and they've all been put together in the proper order so that when we get to the end of the deal, it actually happens, and um, and we actually get out of it what we're supposed to. Fantastic. It makes me uh, curious about how you actually got into Franklin County as an agency. Uh, well, I'll backtrack. Because JCO was always a Clinton County agency, right? Yep. And you eventually uh, saw the need to expand into Franklin County. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, quite frankly, um, the, the Community Action Agency up in Franklin County had a number of issues for a number of years. Uh, I will tell you that JCEO's first um, movement into Franklin County actually happened in 1998. The community, oh, wow. The Community Action Agency in Franklin County actually lost the Head Start program. Um, oh, the, wow. Their Head Start program was defunded, and for a six-month period, the Head Start program in Franklin County was actually— um, operated by the community action agency out of Rensselaer County, which is Troy. Holy smokes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the federal government actually called us up and asked us to apply for the Head Start program because they were right next door. Um, we did, and they gave us the program. Um, fast forward till um, 2010, and um, the community action agency in Franklin County was in real trouble. Um, Interesting. They, um, I'm not telling you anything that's not public record. Um, there was a uh, indictment against the, the chief executive officer. There was a comptroller's audit of the agency, which lasted more than a year. Wow. Um, there was a subsequent report that came out from the comptroller's office. And basically, you know, they, they had all sorts of financial issues along with the problems that they were having with the comptroller's office. Um, so eventually they were just going away. Mm-hmm. Um, they, mm-hmm. they weren't going to survive. What we talked about here um, was the fact that, um, you know, Franklin County, I, you know, it, I don't care where you are. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first talked to to um, folks about moving into Franklin County or looking at Franklin County. Um, you know, I'll be honest, some people said to me, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and they made, a, they made some valid points. You know, Clinton County and Franklin County are extremely different counties. Um, and, um, you know, they said this isn't, this isn't going to be business as usual. Um, and I said, I understand that. But here's what is going to be business as usual. Um, People in Franklin County are exactly the same as people in Clinton County from this one respect, is what they want are the services that they should be getting. 
Yeah. And one of the things that I know about our staff here at JCO is we have a great staff and they do provide services. Um, and I knew enough about some of the folks that, um, that had worked for the, for the previous community action agency that we could, we could, um, we weren't going to hire all of them. We knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But we'd had a good, we would have a good core of people that would do exactly that. They'd pro, they'll provide services. Um, and I think people were leery of us at first. I don't blame them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think if, I, yeah, I hope that if you talk to people up there now that, um, you know, they've. They're incredibly grateful. And well, appreciative, maybe. Well, I, I hope they recognize the fact that we try to do exactly what we're supposed to do, which is provide services. Yeah. Um, and if they feel like they're getting services, then then we've accomplished our job. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's really what this what this business is about. I mean, every program that we operate provides a service, and it's a service to the residents. And if we are in fact doing that. And creating that feeling in the community, then we're pretty much doing what we're supposed to be doing. Tell me, I think this is going to be an awesome story. Tell me how you got into community action. Because I see you at the rotary table. I see you in the community. I see everywhere. It's You say, somebody says the name Bruce Garcia, and it's like, that man has passion for what he does. And that is unmistakably obvious to me. Uh, but that started somewhere. I, am, um, I assume you didn't grow up as a child saying, "I'm going to be, I'm going to be a CEO of a community action agency." <laughs> no. How, tell me that story because I'm sure there's tons of gumption in it. Um, well, what happened was I was, um, I went to Plattsburgh State and I got a degree in secondary education as my major and a minor in history, sociology, and anthropology. And um, I nice was, combo. Yeah, it was <laughs> like the trifecta. Um, and, um, my goal was to be a high school history teacher. And, um, in the late seventies, when I graduated from college, um, it was, um, a challenge to find a teaching job. There was a glut of teachers and, um, I actually spent four and a half years, uh, as a substitute. Um, Uh the last half year I was in multiple school districts and then for the last four years of that I was actually a permanent sub with uh, at Osable Valley um, middle and high school um, I really enjoyed it um, but I couldn't get a permanent job mm. um, and most of the the history teachers were young and not looking to retire um, and I needed a, a full-time job yeah um, to, to tell you how badly I needed a permanent job. Uh, I started in community action on March 27th, 1978. And my son was born March 28th, 1978. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it wasn't like I didn't need a permanent job. I did. Oh man. Um, and, but the funny, the, 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 the part of the, what happens after that is that, um, I remember, I'd probably been on the job like three or four months and I was talking to a friend of mine and he, and he asked me where I was going to apply for, um, you know, teaching jobs for the school year that was coming up. And I said to him, uh, I said, I I don't think I'm going to right now. I said, I'm kind of liking this, um, what I'm doing right now. And I think I want to do it for a while. Yeah. You know, um, it's good experience. Um, I was a youth employment and training counselor. Yeah. Um, and I said, so I think I'm going to hold off and yeah, maybe I'll apply, you know, the following year. Uh, I've never applied that in another school district for a teaching <laughs> job. And, um, you know, I, I found that um, I really, uh, I really enjoy working with people, um, adults and, you know, teenagers, which is pretty much what I was going to do anyway. And... Um, and I, I love community action. I've been doing this now for 41 years, and um, I've never thought about doing anything else. Yeah. I just, you know, 
we, I think, provide a valuable service to the community. We certainly provide, I think, valuable services to people who may be a little bit down and out on their luck. And, um, you know, because overwhelmingly the people that we work with are low-income working families. That's mm-hmm. the primary group that we work with. And we also work with a lot of seniors. Um, but we provide services um, that help improve their life, help make their life easier and better, and in lots of cases get them through um, a crisis that, you know, they they can't handle on their own. Um, so, you know, I, I'm... Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about this, and and I really enjoy what I do. For sure, and I definitely can see that. Uh, At one point in time, I I feel like I remember you telling me a story about uh, you were tasked with writing a plan, but at the time, you were just like, oh my God, I I don't know how to do this. I don't know the first thing about what I'm being asked to do, but... I mean, I'll let you tell the story, but it sounded like you took that upon yourself and you got it done. Well, what happened was... Um, yeah, tell, well, let the listeners know a little bit more about the context of this and what happened, yeah. Well, I, when I first started in community action, I actually started in the county other than Clinton. And um, we did employment and training programs. And I remember it was about um, three or four weeks after I started. The guy who was my boss um, handed me a plan and said, here's here's last year's plan, and here's the plan that has to be submitted, like in three weeks, um, to get refunded for all the youth employment and training programs. And I said, okay. He said, well, I want you to do the plan. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> and um, Classic. Yeah, and this, it, this plan was like I, literally like 40 or 45 pages long, and and I went, I didn't have a clue. I'd never even seen one of these before. And um, so I took it home. And he had given me a copy the previous year. And what I did was I went home. And for like three weeks, I think, I, like, I've made love to this thing every night. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and um, so for the first several nights, all I did was study the previous year's plan. And I, you know, I read it and studied it and and it was not only narrative, but it was also a lot of budget stuff. And um, and as I started going through it, I started to notice patterns. And one of the things that I kind of picked up on was the fact that there were, within the budget numbers, they were cross-referenced, like, you know, on all sorts of different pages. They all meant something a little bit differently, you know, and fit into a different category when they got cross-referenced. So once I noticed the fact that I said, hey, like I've seen this number before. Where did I see it? Okay, here. And, and I started drawing those, you know, um, you know, those ties from one yeah. number. Yeah. So the budget started to make sense. Um, and then I went back and I, and I read the narrative and, um, and I was like, okay, there's a flow to this. There's a way that this all fits together. And, um, so it was, but it wasn't an easy process. So I still remember like that. I was coming up on the deadline and, and I was almost done. I did this every night and this was not my day job. I, yeah, I did not yeah. get to work on this during the day. Right. And, um, and I still remember when I brought it into him and handed it to him, um, he was like surprised that I'd gotten <laughs> it done. And, um, <laughs> It's almost like he set you up a little bit, but uh, there was no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but I did get it done, and um, and I remember when we sent it in, I was like scared to death that they were going to call me up and they were call him up and say, "Who wrote this plan? This thing is terrible." Yeah, and there was like two minor changes that they wanted to the whole thing. So wow, yeah, I was pretty happy with that. Um, but that whole thing was probably a reason why and. Um, Within two and a half years, my boss became, I became my boss's boss. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that probably had something to do with it. That, a classic uh, example, it's not, you know, you mentioned gumption to you is commitment and persistence. That certainly sounds like it would have took a little bit of that. Boy, it took, <laughs> it took a lot of persistence because <laughs> for, for, Several days, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I can tell you that much, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can you know, it's funny when uh, life, th- you know, 
you get like you, you know you're younger you're trying to build a career for yourself and uh life throws you what classic saying life throws you a lemon and you got to make lemonade right you're not sure how to maybe this wasn't a lemon but it's certainly a challenge you're like woo i gotta either show up and get this done right or you know I, i'm not sure how i'm gonna do it but i i can relate to that because when i was um the director of the boy scouts i was also assigned the responsibility in the summer of being a camp director and with that uh when when that decision was made and i was told uh ryan congratulations you're gonna be a camp director in saratoga springs new york uh you need to learn this and this i got two very large binders slapped on the desk in front of me and they said okay this is the uh new york state department of health standards you got to know that because they're going to show up and they're not going to tell you when they're coming and we can't have a violation. This one over here is the national BSA standards. Uh, they will tell you when they're coming, but they're pretty strict. So make sure you have all those. They're not the same thing. So make sure you pick the better standard of which. <laughs> <laughs> Any, oh, and by the way, camp starts in, you know, eight weeks. So get it all together. Yeah. Uh, real life throws you, you know, curveballs, lemons, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you either show up and you get it done with some persistence and, or you let it get the best of you. Well, that's really the difference, you know, I mean, from, from my, to my way of thinking, the difference between, um, you know, existing and actually being, um, successful is whether or not you're willing to put in the work. It's, it's, and as long as you're willing to put, put in the work, um, then, then you can, you can make, you can have accomplishments just like the example that you're talking about. Um, I'm sure you did well with both the health department and the boy scout, um, reviews. Perfect scores. Actually, I, I, I for a while I touted that on my resume, perfect scores. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but boy, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Was that a challenge? Yeah. But you met the challenge and if you think about it, you were committed and you were persistent. Exactly. And that's how you met the challenge. That's exactly it. Man. <laughs> Bruce, I love I've told you, man, we could talk for hours <laughs> and hours about um I, I'd love to get into a couple cool stories that maybe you have okay. uh, from your experience. Uh you know, whether you were CEO or sort of going through the ranks of community action. Um tell me tell me a story about um, you know, maybe a couple um I don't know if you call them clients or um uh, not customers, but uh, people you've worked with that you helped uh, helped through community action and maybe some gumption uh, that came along the way. Um, one of my favorite stories is because I do believe it's a matter of being persistent. When um, in, in where I worked previously, um, I was an employment and training director. Right? I started... Um, out as a youth employment and training counselor, then I became the director of youth youth programs, uh, and then I became the employment and training director for all the county employment and training programs. There you go. And um, and one of the things that one of the one of the clients that I remember most is um, uh, we did some co subcontract work with the Department of Social Services, and they they called me up and they referred uh, a gentleman to us, and they said. Um, we want you to understand, um, this guy is a really, really good carpenter, um, <laughs> but he can't hold a job for more than three or three to six months. And he's gets fired every time. And, um, so we're going to give you guys a shot, but quite frankly, we're, we're close to being done. So I said, okay. So, um, we met with him. Um, even though I was the director, I kind of got involved in this one because of what the social services had said. And um, the guy had the guy was not only a good carpenter. I mean, he was a finished carpenter. Yeah. And I saw some of his work, cabinets that he built, um, just gorgeous stuff. And, um, but after, you know, four five, six months on the job, he'd get in an argument with his boss and he'd get fired. And it was a pattern that was repeated. Interesting. 
Interesting. In, you know, consistently. Um, so we found him a job, put him to work, and guess what? Three or four months later, he got fired. And um, Wild. Yeah, and it was the same thing. He got in an argument, and, and when I when I went down to talk to um, the, the employer, who was a guy I knew, he said to me, he said, he says he just gets to be unreasonable and you, and you can't work with him and you can't talk to him. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So we did this like a couple more times or, and the pattern was incredibly identical every time. Yeah. And, um, so I had a conversation with the department of social services and they said that they were going to, um, sanction him. And he he wasn't going to be eligible for services, and um, I said, "Look, there's, I, I've seen this guy's work. I've, yeah, I've seen the work that he's done for the, you know, for the companies that he's been working with. He's got amazing skills. He has amazing skills, and you can't because I'm kind of like a novice woodworker. And I said, you can't do that unless you are patient, unless you pay attention to detail. And I said, so there's something here." doesn't make any sense hmm. and they said well what are you gonna do i said i don't know <laughs> let me think about it um and i had a i had a conversation actually with a good friend of mine who had a um, master's in social work and i said to him i said i don't know what to do he said hmm i got an idea for you i said what and um he had a friend who um uh, was at the University of Vermont yep. and ran a mental health clinic and they were doing a study. Um, and he said, um, well, let me call him, see if he's willing to meet with this guy. Yeah. So he called him and then um, the, the psychiatrist or psychologist from UVM called me and said, yeah, we'd like to work with him. So then I called the Department of Social Services and said, hey, <laughs> if we pay to send this guy over to... Burlington a couple of times a week for the next eight weeks. Will you just leave him alone until we can see if there's something that we can do to help him? And they said, okay. So we did. We paid for him to go over to Vermont twice a week for eight weeks. And um, at the end of the eight weeks, I got a call from the, from the person at UVM. And he said, I just wanted to let you know the report's going in the mail today. Yeah. Um, if you have any questions, give me a call. But I think the report is pretty self-explanatory. So, interesting. I said okay. And now it's like waiting for Christmas or something. You're yeah. Like, when is that package coming? Yeah. I want to know. So I get the re- few few days go by. I get the report. I open it up and it said, I I don't remember the exact, but it was like ten or twelve page report. And I was like, oh, this ought to be good. <laughs> um, and as I was reading it, um. I was like, wow, I, I, I had no way of knowing. And I, and I didn't, and I didn't understand what the problem was. And, you know, this, what they ended up discovering was that this guy had a, um, a really deep, um, anxiety based upon the fact that he grew up in an abusive household mm-hmm. and he watched his father, beat his mother for years yep and he had grown up always promising himself that when he got bigger that wouldn't happen to her anymore and he certainly would never do that if he when he got married okay and what would happen um is that when he was consistently away from um when he was working and away from his wife and um and child, um, the anxiety would build and build and build until he just couldn't deal with it anymore, um, which manifested itself in him being totally unreasonable and people firing him. Wow. Um, That's wild. It was. And the report was very clear. I mean, one of the things that the doctor said in, in the report is you really have limited options. You know, one option is to find out how this guy can work from home where he is in close proximity to his wife, where he's home when his son gets home from school, or you can put him into counseling. 
but it mm. is going to take years in counseling. Wow. So <laughs> I still remember. I called up the Department of Social Services and I said, I'm going to share the report with you. And then I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that you got to give me some time. <laughs> and, um, and they said, time for what? I said, time for me to find him a place. And um, they said, how are you going to do that? I said, I don't know yet. That's why you got to give me some time. And, um, uh, you know, that the very first guy that we put him with, the guy I told you I knew, yeah, I went, I went back to see him one day and I still remember I walked into his, into his business. He said, out, <laughs> get out, get out. <laughs> not you again. <laughs> and I said, you don't mean that. He said, I think I do. Um, and I said, we need to talk. Not your guy again. <laughs> yeah. I said, we need to talk. And, um. He said, I want to make a deal with you. And he said, yeah, I know the last deal we made, you know. Um, But um, the the gentleman that we were working with had his own woodworking shop, but he didn't have all the tools that he needed. So he needed to fill in some tools. So I said to him, I said, look, how about this? You know, you've been to his shop. It's it's a reasonable shop, but he needs some, some more equipment, some of the higher end equipment that you have to be able to continue making some of the stuff that you want. Cause this guy did really high end renovations. And, um, so I said to him, I said, look, we'll pay you. We'll pay you to move your equipment to his shop. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then, all right. You pay him by the hour for the projects that he's doing for you. All right. So you don't have to pay him full time. And then what he'll do is in, off hours when he's not working for you he'll work for other people in the community that want him to build stuff and i said it's kind of like you know a great deal for you right exactly you know you know the quality of his work and he said so how long is this going to last i said i don't know but i said i think it's got a shot at lasting quite a while yeah and um he didn't buy it the first time I went and saw him, but um, we talked with him a couple of different times, and um, and he finally said, yeah, you know, he, he said, I'll take a chance. He said, I think I'm nuts. I think I've lost my mind, but yeah, we'll take a chance. Um, and um, I, haven't, I haven't worked there in a long time, but um, the last time I knew, he'd been with that company for over 20 years. Holy smokes. And um, that took care of the issue. And, wow. Wow. Um, and sometimes it's a matter of, you know, people have things happen in their life that we can't necessarily understand. We can't necessarily understand their reactions to things. Um, but, but they have those reactions and they have, and they've had a certain impact. Our job is to figure out what that is and how we can best help him or her. And, um, you know, so that's one of those cases that I've always looked at with a certain amount of satisfaction because, you know, it took us a while and we had to figure it all out, but we did. That's awesome. I It reminds me actually of a, of a speech I listened to you give. I don't know if it was at the chamber or some event one time, but it was sort of, uh, forgive me for not having it obviously memorized in the moment, but uh, you made a really profound point point that has stuck with me to this day of how when we think about like fundraising and social service and and community action and supporting the people in our community who may need it for whatever reason that might be unique to them uh when we talk about children everybody raises their hand let's help the let's help the children let's help you know the the backpack program that you do is great you get support for that all the time you know, oh, let's let's also help the elderly. You know, the retirement community. Let's help that, and everybody's it's pulls on the heartstrings, yeah. and and we talk about all the unique circumstances that led them to being disadvantaged or having uh, you know ter- a rough upbringing that affected their life or whatever. But then suddenly, when we start talking about fundraising or supporting the people in the middle, who are grown adults, quote unquote, uh, all of a sudden it's like. Get a job. <laughs> pull your pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I know this could get political really fast, and I'm not trying to do that, but I think it's an interesting point, and it's stuck with me 
just because of the fact that it's we we all admit that maybe that child has lived through a traumatic experience like this guy lived through a traumatic experience watching his dad beat his mom from a very young age i can only imagine what that what that would do to your psyche and the way you see the world and and you know i'm not a psychologist so i certainly don't know the brain chemistry behind that either but suddenly you know the person becomes 18 or 20 at 21 and it's like yeah yeah well figure it out you're you're a grown-ass man now <laughs> it's a, you know it, um <laughs> if all we had to do was work with children and seniors this would be the easiest job in the world okay <laughs> and i'll give you a, i'll give you an example of a conversation that i had probably a year ago now with a friend of mine and um which is exactly what you're talking about um we know this kid and uh, we know his you know his, his father was somebody that we grew up with we, we yeah. know him sure <coughs> excuse me and um and um so um all the time this this kid was growing up um, my friend and i would talk about him and say you know how bad we felt for him because we knew um his father is um very mean and this this young man has taken more than one beating um, yeah and um you know, so he's had all sorts of issues, but like you talk about, all right, he, um, he, he's 20, 21 now. And, um, you know, my friend was saying to me, you know, geez, this kid's just, he, he just got to grow up. He's got to get a job. And I looked at him and I said, seriously, this kid, you know, last year or two years ago when we were talking about him, we were lamenting the fact that this kid was all screwed up because he'd grown up being beaten on a regular basis. Now all of a sudden he turns 18, 19, 20, and all that stuff goes away and, by George, grow up and get a job. He's cured because of his 18th birthday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, that's just not the way that this world works. Um, this kid is emotionally scarred. Um and he needs some help. Um, and he may, you know, some kids are extremely resilient. And once they're removed from that environment, they can bounce back, you know, like with no problem. But not every person's the same way. Exactly. You know, that's why no two kids in a family are exactly the identical. You know, I have, you know, my wife and I have three kids. Trust me. None <laughs> of them are the same. Um um, we love them all and they're all great kids, but none of them are the same. Yeah. Um, and you know, for the most part, they've had pretty similar experiences. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we just have to understand that, you know, the human psyche is, is fragile. Um, we can't, you know, we don't suddenly, when we turn 18, just suddenly just Pull yourself up by the bootstraps, kid, because it's time. Well, I think about the 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 my personal experience in in relation to this conversation, right? Like, I feel like I've at a very young age, I've I've been very fortunate to be exposed to healthy challenges that forced me to get better or learn a skill that I can now apply to my real life and make me better at at finance or or being a, you know a good partner uh, with my wife or you know whatever, but if you just don't learn any of that, it's like flash forward to age 20, you know, and, and you just, nobody taught you or you're nobody reflected positive behavior for you. Like I can remember seeing, you know, going on vacation with my parents almost every summer, seeing whether I was actually consciously picking it up or not, seeing the positive interactions of, oh, okay, this is, this is what a dad does. My dad was, you know, taking care of us and my mom. This is what my mom does. This She's taking care of us. They're both great people. And, and like, if you just don't have that, like, where do, you don't learn it, like, right? Well, you know, that's... what. Well, so how can we expect people to just know that? See, in, in this young man's, you know, getting back to that example, you know, what he learned growing up was, 
you drink, you carouse, and you beat people. I mean, that's what he learned. Right. Um, he didn't have that same kind of thing. You know, in the household that I grew up in, you know, my mom and dad didn't accept a lot of nonsense, you know. And um, I'll tell you a real quick story, but I remember, you know, I was always good in math, but I hated taking math. In <laughs> and, um, and, I, and I went to Mount Assumption, and I remember after my junior year, I had taken, taken algebra, geometry, and then as a junior, I took trigonometry, and I was now done with math because I had all my math credits. And I was sitting in the old gym up the, up at MAI, and Brother Anthony, who was our math teacher, came yep. up to me and said, you know something, bros? I just got done correcting the uh, trigonometry exam, the regents, and you've done something that no student's ever done. To which I instantly, my heart sank, because I thought this was going to be really bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, no. And um, Lowest said, score in New York State history. Or <laughs> yeah. And I looked at him, I said, really? He said, yep. I said, how bad was it? Oh, he said, no, no, it wasn't bad. He said, but I've never had a student ace the trigonometry exam. And I looked at him and I said, I did what? He said, you aced it. I still remember being the wiset guy that I was. I looked at him and I said, brother, you better go check that out again. <laughs> I don't think that happened. No, he said, oh, no, it happened. And, um, and he said, so here, here's what I want you to think about. And I said, okay. He said, next year we're sending 12 kids first first half of the year up to Plattsburgh State to take calculus course. I want you to be one of the 12. I looked at him and said, that's not happening, brother. <laughs> I have all my math credits. I've got all my region stuff done. I said, I'm not taking calculus. He said, okay, well, think about it. I said, yeah, I thought about it. So that night I get home, and at, by then my sisters were all gone, so it was just my mom, my dad, and I sitting at the supper table. And my mother says to me, I got a call from Brother Anthony today. Perfect. <laughs> to which I stupidly replied, I'm not taking calculus. <laughs> to which my mother said, oh, yes, you are, and you will do well. And I <laughs> said, Ma, she said, no, we're not talking about this. You're taking the calculus course, and I'm telling you, you're going to do well in that course. Um, so I did take the calculus course. And yeah, I did do well because that wasn't an option either. Right. Um, yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that we learned. That's you know, exactly, yeah. You know, this is this is it. You got to do it, and you're going to do it, and... So suck it up, Buttercup, because it's got to be done. Fantastic. Uh, I know you're tight on time today, so uh, I'd like to pivot uh, to what I like to call the rapid-fire questions of Stories of Gumption. I'll okay. just give you some quick questions, uh, sort of unrelated to today's conversation, but just to get a good flavor of, of you as a person and your p opinion on these questions. But the first one, are you ready? Yep. Question one, what's a book that you would gift to a friend, and why? Um, uh, Lincoln on Leadership. Um, Abraham Lincoln was probably one of the most intriguing, most um, thoughtful, uh, most dedicated um, uh, individuals this country's ever seen. And, mm. um, and I know that in my career, I've learned a lot by reading books about Lincoln and how he operated and how he treated people. Um, and that's one of my personal favorites is Lincoln on leadership. So I would I would gift that to somebody. Lincoln on leadership. I'll make a note. I, see, that's the beauty of me asking this question. I get to <laughs> poach all these awesome book ideas and make notes and slowly punch away at them. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hamilton uh, put out a book. It was, uh, what was it called? Uh, Ishmael. Never oh, okay. heard of it. Have you heard of Ishmael? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, my own naivety. Because of Mark Hamilton, I read Ishmael. Interesting, interesting perspective. Anyhow, yeah. I digress. Question number two. Yep. If you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, put anything on it that you want, what would you put on the billboard? Hmm. Uh, probably uh, more than anything else. Um, one of the one of my. Favorite sayings is, um, and Ellen DeGeneres is is um, famous for saying something similar to this, but uh, or more of this, which is be good to one another. Mm -hmm. uh, I really think that um, 
really think that's a big deal. I think it's, you know, if we took more time to care about other people and to be good to one another and um, care less about our differences and a whole lot more about how we are all the same, yeah, I think this probably be a, a much better place to live. It's a good billboard. I like it a lot. Question number three. If you could go back and give your your 18-year-old self some life coaching advice, what would you say? Um, my favorite quote is, um, is are these 10 words. If it is to be, it is up to me. And... Um, if you were to look at the top of my desk right now, you'd see underneath the blotter a little statement that, that you'd see that written out in big letters. If it is to be, it is up to me. And, mm. um, and that's what I tell myself. If, if, no matter what it is that you want to do, don't, don't be blaming anybody else. Don't be saying that you know they did this to you or that to you. Um, figure out what it is that you want, and then you work towards it. And just stay the course and yeah you know i i wanted to be um once i'd been in community action for a few years i wanted to be a, a, a an executive director of an organization um not because i wanted to be a big shot or anything but because i really believed that um this is going to sound terrible but but i believed that that i could run it the right way the way yeah. the community action agency should be run it took me 30 years to to, to become an executive director and um, I never thought about quitting. Yeah. Um, and I always knew that if I wanted it bad enough and I prepared well enough and I stayed the course, um, that it would happen. It's, I just believe it. if it is to be, it's up to me. Don't be blaming anybody else and don't be whining. Just keep working. That's phenomenal advice. I love that. Last question. Uh, if we could assemble a three-person board of directors to guide and mentor you through the rest of your life they can be alive deceased famous or not who would the three people be that you would choose to be on your board of directors and why that's really easy um first would be my dad um my dad passed away in in 2000 so i've been with adam for many years now but um my dad um had a sixth grade education his father died during during the depression and he had to go to work to help support his family. Uh, but my dad was a worker and he was a really smart man. And at one point he and my mom owned four different businesses. Oh, wow. Um, and the funny thing is that my dad was a really conservative Republican and I'm a really liberal Democrat. And um, one day he said to me, he said, how did you get to be this way? <laughs> and I said to him, I said, it's your fault. And, um, <laughs> and he said, how do you figure that? And um, I watched my dad. My dad owned an oil business, and, um, and I watched my dad do all sorts of things. I, you know, I remember pulling into a guy's yard one time, and the guy came out and said we couldn't drop oil because um, he'd gotten laid off. Dad said, I don't care about that. He said, I know you'll pay. You'll always pay. And he said, it's different this time. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm going back. I watched my dad go in the house with this guy. The guy was um, raising dogs and he had a litter of puppies. And my dog, my dad traded um, a dog for the oil. All right. The guy kept his dignity and dad, dad got to give him the oil. All right. I got a puppy too, by the way. Um, wow. And, and I saw him do stuff like that all the time. Barter with people. Not because of something that he wanted, but because of something that they needed. Mm. Um, I could give you lots of stories. So my dad would definitely be one of them. The second person would be the first um, person I ever worked for in community action. Uh, she was the executive director of the agency. Her name was Alice Beckel. Mm. Um, uh, I often think, I often say to myself, what would Alice do? What um, would Alice do? Yeah. <laughs> um, she was great. Uh, I loved her. Um, uh, I love her to this day. Um, I, she passed away a long time ago. But um, she was absolutely an incredible lady. She taught me. I only had the opportunity to work for her for about four years. Uh, I learned so much from her in those four years. 
<clears throat> and more than anything else, I learned about, you know, about caring about people um, and about doing things the right way. And um, so she'd definitely be there. And then the third one would be Abraham Lincoln, who, um, as a history major, he was uh, one of those characters that um, I read a lot about, I studied, um, and I just have an enormous amount of respect for what he accomplished. Awesome. Bruce, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, always an awesome conversation. Like I said in the beginning, we probably could have talked for two more hours, but uh, you're on a tight schedule today, so we'll let you go. But I want to give you the opportunity to have one last uh, sending message to the listeners, whether it be JCEO-related, any events you've got coming up, or anything you'd like to say about how people can get in touch or volunteer. Whatever you'd like to say, now's your time. Go ahead. Well, I'll go back to what I said before, you know, that, uh, that bulletin board, you know, be kind to one another and be good to one another. Uh, I think that's what we're missing more than anything else these days. And, um, I think the world's a better place when we work at understanding how we're all alike rather than focusing on how we might be different. That's perfect. Perfect send off. Well, thank you, Bruce. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, this has been another episode of the Stories of Gumption podcast. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. We'll see you next time.